children, and I'm just grateful, grateful that their parents are raising them the right way. And By the way, the reason I wasn't in here when you started singing, my son had, has been out of the country, he's been in Haiti uh, doing ministry, and I've, he called, and I wanted to be sure that I made sure he was okay because it's a little unsettling over there presently, and he's doing well and had a good uh, a good meeting over there and, and, and they're making some serious headway in some some uh, areas so anyway that's a praise as well so I'm very very thankful for that rather dismiss I don't dismiss us yet how about you pray for us Amen. You may be seated. Uh, we are studying the uh, Bible doctrine, the doctrine of man presently, anthropology. And we started by the origin of man and that uh, man was directly created by God. And we made our way down to the very last part of, of that in world number five there. And number, number five talks about uh, the creation of man by God implies the accountability of man to God. So God created us, therefore we are accountable to God. We're accountable to God for all things because He has created us in His image and He breathed the breath of life into us, therefore, as the architect of humanity and all that we know and all that we, that we do not know and all that is and all that will be, He is the author and finisher of that. Therefore, we as His created being are accountable to Almighty God that we might be centered in His will. Now, the first text I want to read to you is out of Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 uh, through 17. And when we read this passage of Scripture, it, it says these words, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. And the reason He did it was God had a responsibility for him. He had a, had a job for Adam, and that was to tend and keep the garden. Because God created man in, in the image of God, and because He desired us to be accountable to God, He gave us responsibilities. Hey, by the way, do you know when you get to heaven, you're still going to have responsibilities and accountability? You're not going to get up there and just float around on a cloud and shoot a harp or, or play a harp and shoot a bow and an arrow and, and play Cupid. You're going to actually have responsibilities. There are things that you're going to do. God will continue to use us through all eternity. And then it continues, and He put in the garden into tin and keep it. And God and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely. So it seems like that's uh, Cardi Blanc, you can have whatever you want. But then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. And verse 17, which is on the board, says, But of the tree 
of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, when God made Adam and Eve and created them in the very image of God and breathed the breath of life into them, they became a living soul. They had a union with Christ, with, with the Heavenly Father. Therefore, they were a living soul. Now, man is a three-part being. We have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. Our spirit comes when we are, we are connected to Almighty God and we are forgiven of our sins in a right relationship with Him. At this particular time, there was no sin in the world. Therefore, Adam had a right relationship with God. As you know, our text tells us that he walked in the midst of the garden with Almighty God and they had a relationship. And then that relationship obviously was broken when they disobeyed God and did the one thing that he said, do not do, and that was to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they partook of that tree, and then they begin to recognize the fact that, hey, we are broken, we are naked, we are afraid, and we're going to hide. And that's exactly what they did. And mankind has been hiding from God ever since. We've been running away because we recognize that when we stand in His presence, that we cannot stand in a right relationship with Him as broken as we are. So Adam and Eve recognized the fact that they were accountable to God, yet that accountability went out the window when they wanted something that God had said, don't do. And that happens so often in our lives. God says, don't, and we say, I want to. I want to. That's something that I desire. And then when we do that, that if we're a Christian, our, 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 our fellowship is broken, not our relationship. But then the second passage is uh, in, in Peter, in 2 Peter. And in 2 Peter, what we have here in chapter 2, verse 3 through 7, it says, By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words, talking about destructive doctrines from false teachers. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. And again, when you go after these, you're, what, are you, what are you doing? You're disobeying God, and you're not falling under the spear and the influence and the accountability of God when you follow after things that are not of God. Then it said, for if God did not spare the angels who sinned, again, the illustration is God created these perfect beings to be perfect servants of His, but they sinned, they fell, and God did not spare the angels who sinned, but He cast them down to hell. That word hell there in the Greek is the word Tartarus, and that means under the earth, and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. And did not spare the ancient world. Now he's saying, listen, even when the ancient world failed to be subservient to me and to be accountable to me, guess what happened there? But saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood of the world of the ungodly. So all of those who disobeyed God and were not accountable to God, God said, okay, I'm going to start fresh. And you know the story quite well. And so the whole point is we are accountable to God with all that we are, all that we say, and all that we do. It is our responsibility to not ask God to align with our lives, but for us to align our lives with God. And so often what we want to do is, is blur the lines because culture says this is okay. So we want to blur the lines and say, well, you know what? It's an archaic, antiquated book, and because it is, 
you know, I, I think that science knows more than God. Well, God's the architect. God knows more than, than any science scientist. He knows more than any mathematician, knows more than any preacher, pastor, or theologian. He knows more than everybody and anybody and all people combined. And throughout all generations, God knows. The dark things, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, belong to God. There are things that we will never comprehend or be able to plumb the depths of. Let me just give you an example of that before I continue reading. How many of you know John 3, 16? Just raise your hand. Keep it up. Everybody everybody in the building. Everybody in the building knows John 3, 16. It's so simple, right? But yet it's so profound. I have always said that, that John 3, 16 is so simple, a small child can hear it, understand it, comprehend it, and, and give his life to Christ based upon that one passage of Scripture. If all other Scripture was lost, that is the gospel in a nutshell. There is enough gospel in John 3, 16 to save every man, woman, and child that would ever live or ever has lived. Yet, when you try to plumb the depths of the love of God, the scholars will lose their profundities because you simply do not have the bandwidth to do that. Your mind cannot comprehend the depth to which God has given His Son for us, nor to comprehend the length of time of eternity. Like what Billy Sunday said many years ago, he said if a bird were to fly from the sands of the beach and remove one piece of sand and fly to the moon and deposit that piece of sand on the moon and come back and by the time he, had, he deposited every sand on every seashore of all of the world upon the moon not one moment of eternity would have passed that's just too much for our minds to comprehend we think in days, months, weeks and years don't we or decades and centuries or millennia not how God thinks. All right, let's continue on. I, I think I know where I'm at. <laughs> and he did not spare the ancient world that saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood of the world of the ungodly. And then here's what he did next. Gives this illustration. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly Listen, these all are examples for us. Remember what your mom and daddy always said, your grandma and grandpa? Don't do that. It's going to hurt you. If you do that, there will be consequences that you will pay for. You start down that road, and it's a dead end. You remember that? And, and you thought often, I'm not just saying you, I'm saying all of us, Oh, I'm smarter than that. They're not that smart. That won't be a problem. <coughs> and guess what? Some of us went down some of those roads, didn't we? And guess what? You found out a little bit older. When you were 18, you thought, my parents and grandparents are the dumbest people that ever breathed a breath of air. By the time you're 30, they're geniuses. What happened? You. You is what happened. You got smarter. Were you very smart when you were 18? We, none of us were, were we? we? You know, we thought we knew it all. But how many crashed and burned? <laughs> and then he says, And he delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. 
God will be there to deliver us if we're sending His will. I like what the old preacher had said. A man or woman centered in the will of God cannot be killed or lose their life until God says, time's up. And I believe that. I believe that. Let's go to the second major point. That's point B, that we're talking about the origin of man, and he was created as male and female. Now, I want to make a statement here. Don't want to be misunderstood at all. We're never to mistreat people. Never to mistreat people. But it doesn't mean we agree with people. Right now, there are 72 different gender types according to psychology today. 72. Just a couple of those I wrote down. I didn't even know what they were. I'd never even heard of them when I was doing the research. Two-spirit. You ever heard of that? Two-spirit. And they? Two-spirit. Two. Two-spirit. And uh, they say it goes back to the uh, Native Indians. Cisgender. Now, this one I knew, non-binary. You know what non-binary means, don't you? I don't know if I'm male or female. Non-binary. You can kind of just back and forth and back and forth. And I'm not being ugly here. Gender queer is one. Gender expression. Gender fluid, which means, well, I can be a man today, I can be a woman tomorrow, or I can be something else. What? And gender neutral. And there's 72 of those. God said he created us male and female. You know why there are 72 different types? Because of our brokenness. And guess what's happened? We turn ourselves over to a debased mind. And then guess what happens at a certain point? God turns us over to that. Romans chapter 1. And I, I just think of Jeremiah 17, 9. And, and he said, Man's heart is deceitfully wicked and evil, and who can know it? No man can even know their own heart. That's why I tell people, listen, don't put yourself in a pit of passion and try to fight your way out. Don't get in the pit. You say, I would never do that. You don't know what you'd do. You don't know what you'd do. Just don't give yourself the opportunity to do something really stupid. Stay away. All right, let's start. God's design was to create mankind as two distinct sexes, male and female. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, so God created man in his own image. Three part B. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Again, this is the divine architect of the universe, and he says that he created male and female, two different types of genders, two different types of sexes. In chapter 2, verses 18 through 23, he's telling Adam to, uh, he has a responsibility for him. 
He said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. And then he said, out of the ground, the Lord God did what? He formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, and he brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam had a responsibility. Adam had a job. Adam had accountability. And God's using him. And then it said, so Adam gave names to the cattle, the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God did what? He caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And as he slept, he took one of the ribs out of his side, closed up the flesh in his place. And then the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. He brought her to the man. And then... Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And then verse 24, if you want to go ahead and go there, it says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, it's a great mystery how God can do that, but it's a mystery of heaven, and it's one that will be a blessing to our families throughout our lives as we are committed wholly to that person. Now, in chapter 5, of Genesis. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. So God created man and woman. He created them to populate the earth. That was their responsibility to be caretakers over the earth to take care of the garden until they were exiled from the garden, and then they were to take care of the land by which God had created and given them. And then you move forward to the New Testament, to the book of Matthew, chapter 19, verse 4. He answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? Jesus is saying, Listen, didn't you read what the Lord said and what Moses wrote down? He made them male and female. Two sexes. And then in Mark 10, it says, but from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. Now, any attempt to blur those distinctions, basically what that does, that thwarts God's plan and God's purpose for mankind. That's what it does. And we're basically saying, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't believe you're correct. Now, you might be thinking, well, now, wait a minute. In the Old Testament, there was a lot of polygamy. Right? I've had this question brought to my attention from time to time. Uh, but what does the Tenth Commandment say? You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Exodus twenty seventeen, And uh, the, it presupposes the, presupposes the idea of one man, one woman for life. That's what it does. And, and, and then in 1 Corinthians 7, 2, it says each man should have his own wife and each wife should have her own husband. In other words, take care of your own field, water your own grass, make it green. Some of the examples of marriages where you had uh, monogamous relationships in the Old Testament, you have uh, Isaac and Rebekah. They were monogamous. They stayed in the relationship. And by the way, do you know that the Jewish marriage ceremonies of today, they still use Isaac and Rebekah as an illustration? That's part of the, of the Jewish wedding ceremony. 
And basically, basically what the rabbi is saying is, you're, you're to live your life like Isaac and Rebekah. That's what you're to do. Joseph and his wife, Asta, they were in a monogamous relationship. Moses and Zipporah were in a monogamous relationship. So how did this issue of polygamy originate? And uh, what are the consequences? What are the consequences of that? Well, keep this in mind. Are you listening to me? Everything that is recorded in Scripture is not getting the stamp of approval of God. And what I mean by that, because when man sinned, God's not saying, good, he's giving us an illustration of what not to do, giving us an example. You follow that road, there's going to be consequences that you're not going to like. So where did polygamy originate? Remember when Cain slew his brother Abel, and he went to the east of Eden, and he was an ungodly line, lineage, guess what? That's where polygamy originated, through Cain and his offspring. In fact, it was Lamech, or Lamech, however you want to say it, who was the first polygamist that we find in Scripture. By the way, you know what polygamist is, don't you? That's having more than one wife at the same time. Uh, Esau, Esau despised his mother and his father, and he married foreign wives and grieved his mom and dad about what he did. They knew it was wrong. And God also forbade the kings from having multiple wives in Deuteronomy 17 and 17. David's trouble with his family came from having multiple wives and multiple offspring. Solomon. His problems, his, his foreign wives and concubines turned his heart from God. Over and over and over, God's giving us these illustrations, the consequences of choice, and saying, listen, do it the right way. Do it the right way. You want pain? Do it the wrong way. Well, what about godly men who were polygamous. <laughs> I guess that's almost like a tongue-in-cheek, isn't it? Abraham, what did he do? He's married to Sarah, and then what did Sarah say? I can't have a child. Here's my wife, here's my maidservant Hagar. And then what, what problems did that cause? Between Abraham, Abraham and Hagar and Sarah, Get rid of her. And what problems is it continuing to cause today in Israel and the Arabic world? Jacob. Jacob just wanted, he just wanted Rachel. But he was tricked and he was given Leah. And boy, you know the problems that that caused. And then, 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 the, then they got in such a squabble, guess what? Because Leah was having all the children, Rachel, and, 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 and Rachel wasn't. Guess what she did? Here's my handmaiden. Well, then, Leah, here's my handmaiden. Don't you know? I mean, it would be like I mean, you're coming out of the field, and Jacob's like, I don't even know where I'm going tonight. <laughs> be like, David, 
Remember, he married Michael, Saul's daughter, and then he married Abigail, and then he married again and again and again, and then he had adultery with Bathsheba, and he married her, and all of his family just splintered. And Hannah, that Samuel, was humiliated by Elkaniah, her husband, as he had another wife, Peniel, who had children. But do you know when, for the Jews, it really stopped? And everything changed. When they were led off into Babylonian captivity in 586 B.C., everything began to change for them because they realized the punishment of God is now upon us and we have not read the Word of God. And when they went back, what they do? They read the Word of God. And what they do? They wept. Now, unfortunately, the pendulum often swings from here to here. And they made all of these laws during this time to protect the Ten Commandments, 613 of them. And Jesus said, no. We've given you the ten right here. This is all you need. And I'm going to narrow it down to two. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Isn't it amazing how you could cut through all the mumble jumble and get to the heart of the issue? I think I'll stop right there. I know we didn't get far. Any questions? Sir? Got a lot? Oh, yeah, yeah, married the daughter, yeah. And, and what did Jacob do? Daughter-in-law. And then he was going to have her murdered, killed. But he got, uh, well, you just tell me who this signet staff are and 